All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Welcome in. It is a February 14 edition of the Daily Faceoff Show, a Valentine's Day edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. Frank, love is in the air, isn't it? Tyler, I love being with you. Happy Valentine's Day, my friend. Who says that today, the day after the Super Bowl, is the least productive day of the work year? Do do they not watch the Daily Faceoff show? Do they not go to dailyfaceoff.com? And I mean, for all of our listeners waking up this morning, day after the Super Bowl and going, oh, it is the 14th, just like I did. I wish you all the best. Uh, Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock, though, and dig into the hockey talk, starting in the Central Division, where the Dallas Stars, yes, they're coming off a loss to the Colorado Avalanche, but they've won two of their last three and picked up two wins against teams that are right next to them in the standings in the Central Division. Frank, those two wins that has the Stars right on the edge of a playoff spot in the Western Conference, but the teams those W's came against have people believing, at least in Dallas potentially and amongst the fan base, that they could potentially sneak into the playoffs. Maybe they are a bona fide playoff team. Are you convinced of the Dallas Stars right now? Not yet, but I think this week really helped get them there. I mean, so we'll talk about the Winnipeg Jets in a second, but at least the Stars have shown a little bit of of what enable or could enable them to get in. A hard-fought win over over the Preds, you know, the the game against Winnipeg and then the problem is the loss to Colorado. And I think that's really the measuring stick in in a three-game stint where you're saying what are we going to learn about the Dallas Stars? 
the fact that it was a four nothing loss, you know, sort of gives you an indication of how far they need to go to get to where they want to be among the best of the best in the Western Conference. And I think when you look at the stars and, and how they try and formulate their deadline plans, I think in a lot of ways, they kind of are what they are. But I would say with John Klingberg, it's a, a little bit of a different story in the sense that I don't know how they could possibly sell to themselves that keeping John Klingberg and the chance to, to really get in and do some damage in the Stanley Cup playoffs is in the best interest of the long-term future of the Dallas Stars in that I think the return could be so significant for a player like Klingberg that you have to explore that possibility and probably even pull the trigger knowing that you're not going to be re-signing him to an extension uh, as well as he's played there a fantastic run you know, you probably need to cut bait and move on. So Klingberg, to me, I think is is the definite, the must for the Dallas Stars at the deadline. And not to say that they can't take the pieces that they get from John Klingberg and, and use those assets to go trade for something else at the deadline. You know, someone that has some term and could be part of your future moving forward. But to me, you know, I don't know that I've seen enough from this point to the, star, to the Stars are a true team that should be in, in that contending phase. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if they do have some sort of hybrid strategy, right, Frank, in the sense that, you know, maybe you move Klingberg, maybe even move Pavelski, but then you go and you bring in a younger D-man, you go bring in a younger top six forward, and you kind of just massage around the edges of that group and and stay competitive without also, like you kind of said, totally forgetting about the future of the franchise. Uh, let's stick in the central, though, for topic number two, because another team that is actually coming off a really impressive week is the Winnipeg Jets. They go 2-0-1 against teams that are all in their division as well. The one OT loss coming to the Dallas Stars. But while the Stars are sitting there going, hey, we're feeling pretty good about ourselves right now. I'm sure the Winnipeg Jets, after a five-point night from Blake Wheeler, are also sitting there going, hey, we're feeling pretty good about ourselves. What do you make of the Jets going on the run that they did? The big night from Blake Wheeler. Is this the turning point they've been waiting for? By the way, speaking of cheesy Valentine's Day cards or puns, I'll never Blake your heart. I mean, that's right. It's got to be right up there among the all time best. Uh, but I would say for the, the Winnipeg Jets, a much needed five point effort, a, a reminder that the heartbeat of your team or what should be the heartbeat of your team with your captain is still ticking because I've had some serious question marks about the, the Jets and, and really what direction they're heading in. Like to me, you know, I said a, a week or two ago that the the Jets right now were a ten on a ten scale of number, you know, level of panic for where this team is at, really where they should be um, in terms of, you know, this is a team that I picked to win the Stanley Cup this year. The fact that they're well outside the playoff chase and and inching closer back towards it. It's alarming. I mean, this team should be way better than they are. They have all the pieces to compete, yet they've gone stretches where they look like they're lost. And, you know, you're waiting for that moment. You know, what what's going to be that spark to turn it around? And, you know, two weeks ago, they were saying that, you know, they felt like their process, they were heading in the right directions. When you read the quotes from their players, I just still haven't seen enough yet. I'm not convinced that they're at that point. Uh, they still have a long way to go. Maybe this five-point game from Blake Wheeler sort of gets them trending in the right direction. I'm just not a believer yet. I don't think we've seen any consistent or sustained run to say that the Winnipeg Jets uh, you know, are, are, are going to be a team that's going to make the playoffs with any confidence. 
And the other thing that's throwing a big wrench into the playoff picture there, especially amongst those central division teams, I, I was in the group and I believe you were Frank. We've kind of just assumed all along that it would be five from the central and three from the Pacific. But you look at that standings page there and you all of a sudden go, okay, like Anaheim is still in that mix. LA is still in the mix. Edmonton's there. Like maybe it's not the lock that we thought it was that it would be five from the central and three from the Pacific. The longer those California teams linger around, the more I start to think, God, like two of Nashville, Dallas, and Winnipeg could very well end up missing the playoffs like they're currently out of the picture right now. And if you had said that to me before the season started, I would have said you were crazy. Not because I didn't believe in the Kings or the Oilers, um, but it's really more the surprise from the Stars, the surprise from the Jets, that they're not there, that they haven't been more consistent, that they haven't gotten to the level that they were at previously. And and they really haven't done it, like I said, for any period of time where you're convinced saying this is a team that's going to find its way over the last 30 plus games of the season. And if you would have told me at the beginning of the year, Calgary would be leading the division in points percentage here on Valentine's Day, I probably wouldn't have believed you either. But that's where we're going next. And that team has just consistently been able to piece together victories. Jacob Markstrom's a big part of it. Daryl Sutter has them playing fantastic hockey. Going into the war room segment here for the Flames, will they look to add an impact piece, Frank? Or is this a team and Bradtree living will he maybe sit back a little and go, you know what? I don't want to mess with a good group right now. No, I don't think it's in their DNA. I think they're engaged in a lot of different conversations about the potential for adding secondary scoring, you know, especially on the wing. You know, they're looking for an impact winger that they can add to their mix uh, that can help this team get to the level that they want to get to. And frankly, they should take advantage of every opportunity that presents itself because you look at all the conversations that we've had about the Calgary Flames and their core and how do they change things up? Where's this heading? Johnny Gaudreau in the final year of his deal. There haven't been very many conversations there to my knowledge uh, in terms of an extension for Gaudreau. Um, and so when you think about that and you think of you know where this team is at, they have to you know hit hit the ground running. They have to get there. They have to make some noise in the playoffs. It can't just be, hey, uh, we led the Pacific Division for a stretch this year. We're the one or two seed in our division going into the playoffs, and we lost in the first round again. So I've mentioned previously this season, the Calgary Flames had expressed interest in a player like JT Miller. Uh, they've been connected to Tyler Toffoli from the Montreal Canadiens over the last number of weeks. Those are the types of players, and especially a, a Toffoli, and Miller does as well, to have some term that you could then continue to build around, that you're okay with paying a significant price at the deadline, knowing that you're going to get more than one opportunity in the playoffs, and especially if there are changes that need to be made with that roster in the summer. If Johnny Gaudreau does walk it sort of gives you some built-in potential insurance there that you could help fill that gap moving forward is it just a forward that they'd be looking for i mean from an outsider perspective here you hear all the talk you know oh giordano's available does that reunion make sense if it's not him do they also look maybe just elsewhere to to insulate that blue line and add some insurance on the back end is it just a forward or do you think brad tree living looks at, at maybe helping his blue line out a little as well no, I think defensive depth would certainly be part of it. I think an easy acquisition, an own uh, trade, if you will, would be getting Yusuf Valimaki confident again and getting him healthy and back into the Flames lineup. He's been in the AHL for a stretch and 
like this is a guy that was trending towards a top four defenseman a couple of years ago before his knee injury hasn't been able to get back there, but they are looking for depth and that could make sense. I don't see it personally on the Giordano front. I know that everyone's made that connection. Hey, you know, the comfort level would be there still as a house there, obviously knows everyone in the room and it'd be easy to step back into that spot. I just feel like they've moved on and gone down a different path and, you know, maybe doesn't really make sense to go back to that well again. Fair enough. Let's move on to another team in the Pacific Division that there will certainly be a lot of talk about. I mean, who are we kidding? There's already been a lot of talk about the Sharks and Thomas Hurdle for the last few months. But what's sort of the latest there? I mean, we get a lot of talk in the media. Like, it's no secret that his name's out there and the Sharks are going to be sellers. But sort of what's the latest, I suppose, Frank? Well, their acting general manager, Joe Will, held a media conference last week and and in speaking, just relayed how much they'd be interested in trying to keep Tomas Hurdle, that they're engaged in discussions. And, you know, I just felt like the response from Tomas Hurdle in the media when asked about Joe Will's comments was really interesting. And you can take a look and, and read along with us here. I'm not saying anything is 100% because nothing is ever 100%. I'm just saying, I just say, this is my team now when I'm playing and I'm doing all I can. We'll see what happens in four weeks or the rest of the year. I just want to focus on playing. I read that and I, I'm like, this is a guy that isn't necessarily sure that he wants to stay. I don't, I don't see any strong statement saying, I, you know, I want to be a San Jose shark for the rest of my career, anything like that. And I think even more from a bigger picture perspective, you know, the San Jose sharks, where is this team heading? You know, how do you find a way to make meaningful change in terms of your roster and your group? They're heading towards their third straight lottery season. At what point do you, you know, make a statement as a management group? You know, and, and we know that their GM and Doug Wilson has been out, uh, with a health issue, uh, since November 26th. How do you? chart a new path forward. You need to at some point. You can't possibly bring back the same group year after year and expect a different result. You know, if you thought that there were some strange circumstances or seasons that had mixed in, okay, I understand. But now we've had enough track record, enough runway to say the Sharks probably are what they are after the last three seasons and you need to do something a little bit different. To me, it starts with Tomas Hurdle. How do you then, for a guy that will be in such big demand as one of the premier pieces at the deadline, how do you possibly say, hey, we need to sign this guy to a six, seven, eight year contract because that's what he'd get on the open market. How many years of that contract are going to be chewed up with a team that you know isn't really any good? And, and how much, you know, you, you need to take those pieces and assets and try and turn over the group. I still believe that's where it's heading. I don't know if Tomas is hurdle. Tomas hurdle is convinced that he can be part of a winner in San Jose. And, and that's really such a big part of the discussion. Yeah. And that's a great point as well. Like when you get a UFA at his age and you sign them to that seven year deal, okay, well, you're usually paying for the first four years and the back end of it more often than not is a little ugly. So if you're the Sharks and you're going, okay, we're not going to be competitive for two or three years. Why would you pay a guy for those prime years and then have the diminishing years be the years where you actually want to be good? You're right. It, it doesn't make a ton of sense. And the other side of it is if you even think there's a 10% chance he walks, why run the risk of not getting those assets, right? Like you can always go in free agency and try to find another top six forward. There's a few available every year, right? Like it's just, to me, all signs are pointing towards a deal, even if 
whatever said in the media, you know, is being said. So it'll be interesting. The Pacific certainly has a lot of teams that we need to keep an eye on. But we will now turn our attention to the Eastern Conference and get into a new edition of the All 32. Pleased to welcome in Arpin Basu from The Athletic, who covers the Montreal Canadiens. You can follow him on Twitter at Arpin Basu. This is another edition of the All 32, delivered by DoorDash. Arpin, let's start with the Montreal Canadiens over the weekend. Ben Sherratt goes down with injury. He's such a big part of what the Montreal Canadiens trade deadline plans are. Describe for us the pit in the stomach of Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon as they see Sherratt go down and give us the latest on his injury. How long approximately are they expecting him to be out? Yeah, I think the pit in the stomach for Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon was when Sherratt pretty briefly left the game on Saturday against Columbus. And I think, you know, this is something that's been in the back of their minds as they've watched this team go through injury after injury after injury. They're like, the one thing we can't afford to have happen is have this guy get injured. So really, the Canadians are saying it's a week uh, that he'll be out. I suspect that he might be a little longer than that, but I don't think it's actually out of necessity. I think at this point, it's it's very precautionary in his case. I, I don't think it's a major injury from what I've been told, and the Canadians themselves have announced that it's a week. Uh, but it does sound to me like it's far more precautionary than anything else. Uh, but I think this is something that's been sort of percolating in in, in Ken Hughes's mind, at least, uh, for a few weeks now where, where he has to start worrying about protecting assets that they can, that they can move at the trade deadline. And so I think that just got triggered by, by seeing Ben Chirac go to the dressing room in the middle of that Columbus game, even though he came back and finished the game. Arpin, we're three games into the Martin St. Louis era in Montreal. There's been three mm-hmm. losses, but what have been your early impressions of him as the Habs head coach? I mean, he's going to, he's going to have to learn on the job. He's a pretty, He's a pretty straightfor- straightforward guy. Um, he's only really had one practice. Um, and so what struck me about that one practice is that he's not trying to do everything at once. He's not trying to salvage this season. This is all kind of a laying the groundwork sort of situation. It's really an ideal situation for a guy like him to come into and, and sort of learn the nuances of coaching at the NHL level as opposed to the the, the U13 level, which is where he's coming from. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's, it's also interesting that a lot of the principles that he uses at the U13 level are the same principles he's going to use at the NHL level. He's talked a lot about things that he did with, with his team, uh, mid-Fairfield uh, in Connecticut, uh, that his son plays on, uh, his youngest son. But he, he's using a lot of those same basic principles to guide the Canadians, which I find fascinating. Uh, but this is really kind of the striking difference between him and Dominique Ducharme taking over for Claude Julien just about a year ago uh, is when he, when Ducharme did that, every practice was just jam-packed with information. It was just everything that Ducharme wanted to implement was being done. He tried to do it in the most reasonable way possible, but every practice, every morning skate, he barely had any practices. So he was using morning skates to do some teaching. Uh, Marte San Luis has been around five days now and hasn't really done any on ice teaching. He's done some on video, uh, but the one practice he ran was, was kind of a fun practice to get the guys loose. Um, He doesn't have any pressure to turn this team around. And I think that's really kind of the ideal thing 
for a guy who's who's never coached at any professional or any high level whatsoever um, in his life. I never really imagined that we'd be at a point in a season in 2022 that NHL teams would be excited or fan bases would be excited for Andrew Hammond to come in the Hamburglar <laughs> at 34 back in the NHL for the first time since 2017, 18. My question to you is Arpin after an extended run now with Jake Allen out, it's actually a month today, I believe uh, that they've been with Sam Montembeau and Caden Primo and net. Why did it take so long for them to get to this point to finally address this scenario that's been lingering for quite a while in terms of just getting a warm body that could hold down the crease and maybe shield a prospect like Primo from, you know, being yanked so many times in the NHL and, and a crisis of confidence that's clearly developed. Well, I think it was just, it was just finding a trade partner. I mean, the one thing the Canadians didn't want to do was to go above the 48 contract threshold that they're at right now. Uh, I think they do want to have some wiggle room there in case they need to take on a contract at the trade deadline to facilitate a bigger deal or what have you. Uh, so that was really the issue. And I think in Iowa, uh, the Minnesota Wilds, obviously affiliate where Andrew Hammond was, um, you know, I think it was believe it's Zane McIntyre who kind of, who kind of arrived and, and, and created a bit of a crowded crease there. So that the situation presented itself where the Canadians could send, you know, who's a, a guy who's a pretty solid AHL player, kind of a, sort of a pseudo enforcer type, but a guy who, who who's a solid HL guy that was really appreciated in Laval and Brandon Baddock uh, to bring in Hammond. But I mean, they, they've, they've obviously wanted to do this for a while. They actually have a guy in Laval right now, Kevin Poulain, who has NHL experience and is probably as qualified as Andrew Hammond would be for this job. Uh, but again, they would have had to sign him to an NHL contract. He's on an AHL deal right now. And so that would be adding a contract to their books. So they didn't want to do that. So I think it just, the situation came up in Iowa where they had too many goalies. And that was, I think they've been waiting for that for the better part of this month to bring someone in and send Primo back down to Laval, which they did immediately on Saturday. As soon as the trade was announced, basically or right after the game, uh, they announced that transaction because what's what's been happening to Caden Primo, you hope doesn't have long-term effects, but the, I mean, the kid just got shelled in every game he played. He played basically had one good start in the month. And so you don't want to permanently damage a kid's confidence and, and they have to hope that they haven't actually done that. Yeah. Marty St. Louis addressing and acknowledging that crisis of confidence as well. Arpin, yes or no question to wrap things up. Has Ben Sherratt played his last game as a Montreal Canadian? I'm going to say no, but it's, it's a very soft. No, I, I can't. I, I think that, listen, this is, this is a scenario that I've heard people with the Canadians mention already is that, you know, that, Jumping the market on Ben Sherratt with so many defensemen of so many high end defensemen available ahead of the deadline is something that they would consider doing. Uh, I think this injury scare, and I think that's all it was, was a scare might actually jump that into overdrive. So I'm going to say no, but it's not a convincing no. I think it's very possible he has. I'm leaning toward yes myself. And I don't know. Yeah. We only deal with hard nose today on Valentine's Day. My wife writing on my Valentine's card. P.S. Hope you can get us a puppy. That's a hard no. So just <laughs> an a hard no? So, yes, uh, this has been another edition of the All 32. Thanks to Arp and Basu from The Athletic for joining us today. If you're like me and you don't want to cook, especially on Valentine's Day, order in DoorDash all your favorites and more delivered right to your door from DoorDash. First time users, promo code DFODD if you're in Canada or DFODDUS, 25% off and free delivery from your first order. Thanks to Arp and this has been another edition of the All 32.
Great stuff, as always, with our friend Arpin Basu. And Frank, not a big dog guy, but actually, I'm in your camp on that. But anyways, I digress. Uh, let's get to our daily face-off inbox question. Hashtag Ask DFO. And this one's sent in from our friend Beer League Selkie, who's asked questions before. Uh, but he uh, has kind of a three-parter here. One, do you believe Nick Letty will be made available? And what teams could you see going after him? And to wrap it up, do you believe his price will be higher than Ben Sherratt, Frank? Uh, first off, sick handle beer league selkie. I love that. Yeah, uh, unreal. If you are the beer league selkie guy, like more power to you. Um, I would say to answer them in order. Yes. Nick Letty is available. What teams do I see going after him? I mean, what team can't use a defenseman that has experience, significant experience with the playoffs, not just from his time in Chicago, but also uh, back-to-back runs in the Eastern Conference final with the New York Islanders. So I believe it's four trips to the conference final or beyond for Nick Letty in his career. Uh, So there certainly will be no shortage of teams interested, but I see the price being a bit lower than Sherratt. I think Sherratt has some intangibles to his game in addition to the lower cap hit that I think make him a little bit more movable. And I also think that the Detroit Red Wings and Steve Eiserman drive a bit of a hard bargain. They want to see a certain price be met. Uh, you think back to last year's deadline, they had a number of unrestricted free agents, Bobby Ryan, um, you know, Luke Lendenning, Mark Stahl, all on the list last year. None of them ended up getting traded. The Detroit Red Wings not making a single trade in the deadline period because they want some authentic returns for their players. They're not just going to give them away. They want to keep a competitive environment. I think Letty's been a big reason why they've been able to take a little bit of a step forward uh, in terms of the experience and leadership that he provides. So uh, I do think that they're open to moving him, but it's, you know, I'm thinking probably in the second round pick range. Uh, be interesting to see what that market develops like over the next number of weeks. And since we just talked about, with Arpin and Sherratt, the idea of moving a little bit sooner, you know, is there a bit of a trickle down effect that happens with that market if Sherratt ends up moving in the short term? Yeah, that'd be really interesting. The Wings will be a fascinating team to watch at the deadline, set in to be a seller. But like we saw last year, you you mentioned it. They didn't move any of those UFAs. Then they go make the big splash with the Mantha and Verana deal, right? So, I mean, Steve Eiserman, not not thinking conventionally out there in Detroit, but that's what's led to him having so much success as a GM. Let's move on now, Frank. I got some betting picks to give out. And no, the over did not hit in the Super Bowl. I'm heartbroken. I can't believe it. Uh, but I do have some NHL plays for tonight. So let's jump right into it, courtesy of our friends over at PointsBet, starting with that matchup there at the top between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Seattle Kraken. Leafs come into this one having lost back to back. They are seven and three in their last 10. I don't think they're letting this losing streak get to three games. They're big favorites on the money line, but I like going with them on the puck line. It's in the plus money, plus 105 in three of their last four wins. Leafs have covered the puck line and for the Kraken, they only have two wins in their last five games. So I like Toronto in a bit of a get right spot here against the Kraken. And for my player prop, I am going with a Kevin Fiala assist in this Minnesota matchup. As you can see, minus 245, the Wild are huge favorites on the money line. There's not really a ton of value there, but I do think they can get their offense going and I expect Fiala to be a part of it. He gets top six minutes or at least he's playing in the top six right now. Plus 120 is a really good price here. He's hit this in four of his last five, seven of his last 10. The Wings have allowed, I believe, 18 goals against in their last five as well. Many should be able to score. I like Fiala in the plus money area to pick up an apple, and that's what I got today. 
wrapping things up now, Frank. A little bit of garbage time to end the show. Yeah, our daily face-off family uh, increased by one over the last week. Our technical producer, Alex Allard, and his wife, Sarah, welcoming in their new addition. And you can see him there. That's Ethan Blair Allard and his big brother, Charlie. So cute. Uh, so we, we love to see it. And uh, we're so thankful for everything that Alex Allard and his family have brought to our show. When we cooked up this idea uh, last summer, Tyler, none of this would be possible without Alex and all the expertise that he brings to the table. All the graphics that you see, everything that happens in our show is because of Alex Allard. And I love the tip of the cap that Alex has for Blair Tetro, uh, a longtime TV executive in the sports world, especially in Canada, a uh, number of Olympics, NHL, you name it, curling. Blair Tetro has done it, uh, passed away uh, at the age of 62. So I love the nod to uh, Blair Tetro. Tetro as well with Ethan Blair Allard. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff family. And uh, producing this show on a day-to-day -day basis is a tough enough job. Alex is now doing it with just six combined hours of sleep in the last four nights. And you know what? That number might even be a little bit high. Uh, so he did a great job today and he does a great job every day. And congratulations to Alex and Sarah. And I uh, hope everyone has a, has a good Valentine's Day. I hope you're scrambling around getting those flowers and it all goes well. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow on February 15th. Until then, keep it locked on Daily Face Off. Thanks for watching the Daily Face-Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.